Hi, and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about books. And we are back! <laughs> it has been many months, yeah. uh, much longer than we expected. And But we are back. We are happy to be back. Thank you for those of you who reached out through the last few months, uh, sending good wishes and saying you missed us and asking when we are back. Sorry, it was a little longer um, than we, we had originally said, but there were good reasons for it, or not good reasons. <laughs> there were reasons. reasons for it. <laughs> Ah, the unavoidable reasons, I guess we should say. Yeah. Uh, so, Anne, why don't you uh, take it from here and you can fill everybody in on, on what's been going on in your life. Um, so the reason we originally had to uh, call off, um, uh, we were going to record one night and I got a call from my sister saying I needed to get to Arizona as, as quickly as possible because my mom wasn't doing very well. And uh, she did end up passing away Um uh, that weekend and I'm just really grateful that I was able to get there before that happened and in fact all of my siblings were there which is pretty shocking since one of them lives in Denmark and one lives in Arizona and one lives in Ohio and the idea that we could all manage to be at my mom's side with her um, through that process was was pretty miraculous so um, I just wanted to say a little bit about her because so much of my love of reading comes from her and um, she really loved English classics and mysteries, which if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know, are, are my true loves as well. So I did a lot of collecting of books with her and we read together and we went to book signings together and we just really incorporated books into our our relationship. And so um, so much of what I am today is because of her and so much of, of who I've become and, and the choices that I've made are, are really a tribute to her and to our relationship together. So um, so it seemed appropriate for a bookish podcast to um, pay tribute to a bookish woman and a, mm -hmm. a bookish mother. So, um, it, but yeah, that's that's been a you, you don't come back a week later right, from right, from something right. something like that and then uh, talk happily. So, um, but it's been okay. We've my mom had had uh, pretty serious health problems for about four years, and so a lot of this experience has been sort of feeling that peace of knowing that she's not going through that anymore and um and just being with my siblings during that time and being able to to go through her house and and pull out christmas decorations and reminisce about things was about as perfect as you can imagine a situation like that can get when when it's hard but it's it's also really beautiful so um so yeah that's that was uh the first part of the summer or mm -hmm. rather the summer and then uh I broke my ankle <laughs> at the end of the summer. <laughs> you had quite, quite a summer. Yeah, it's been a year for me. So uh, right in the middle of August, uh, I think, I was walking behind my apartment and tried to take a shortcut with a friend of mine. And I ensured her that it was going to be um, a, a really easy way to get back to my apartment. And instead, I stepped in a patch of mud and... As soon as I started to slip, I knew that nothing good was going to happen. Oh, so um, I had to cancel a trip to Europe that was happening two weeks after that and have mm -hmm. surgery. And uh, I'm still not able to put weight on it. But my follow-up appointment is tomorrow. So I'm hoping that they'll say that I can start walking um, some tomorrow. But at this point, it's been 10 and a half weeks of 
no weight on my ankle and living on the second floor and I have a dog. <laughs> so pretty much the worst combination I can come up with. So pray for me, friends. <laughs> <laughs> we will send good thoughts that by, so by the time people hear this, you will know whether you can yes. start walking again. But. So if you hear like a sonic scream <laughs> from wherever you are in the world on Wednesday <laughs> around noon, then you'll know that um, depending on the tone, whether I can walk or not at that point. Yes. So yes, um, hopefully I'm yeah. thinking, thinking many, many good thoughts that you can. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. So, um, so yeah, it's just been, been a bit of a, um, it's been mentally exhausting mm-hmm. pretty much from from the beginning of June. So, yeah. um, but I'm, I'm excited that we're back to this and I've missed it and I've missed everyone. And I also want to thank people. Um, we had several people reach out and, and say they didn't know what would happen with my mom, but they, they knew that there had been a death in the family. And so mm-hmm. I'm grateful for the people that, that messaged us and, and said they were thinking of me and, and my family. So um, we have the greatest listeners. They're super, I know. super nice. I know, um, so nice. So... That's my terrible year, but you've had a good year. <laughs> so I feel badly saying, yeah. I, so, no, no. My, yeah, it's so funny. It's a funny, I, uh, funny contrast. It is a quite a bit. So my summer was mostly full of foster dogs. We fostered several dogs in the spring and summer, uh, including two little puppies that were little Eek. chihuahua puppies, chicken and waffles. They were so fun <laughs> that we loved having uh, and so, yeah, that was just kind of a typical summer for, for me during COVID times. You know, it was lots of yeah. being at home. We did have a chance to go see uh, my family and Jeremy's family. So that was fun. Uh, but my big news is that about a month ago, I got engaged. Yay! So <laughs> Jeremy and I are planning a wedding for May of 2022. So I'm right in the thick of that. We were just chatting before we started recording about all the all the details I was boring and with uh, everything. Not at all. I, 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 I think it's planning. super, like, I'm not a big wedding person, but I, yeah. I love the planning and I love yeah. hearing what people are thinking about. So yeah. like, I, I loved it. Yeah. So that's my big news. I'm really, really excited. Um, it was it was kind of perfect that we got engaged. Um, Jeremy proposed at home, which we love. We love being in our house. We love, like, cooking Dinner, as some listeners may remember, Jeremy came on when we did a cookbook episode um, because we do like cooking. And so it was just a night that we were cooking at home and he proposed, which was kind of perfect. And then immediately we went on a week-long vacation to Mexico. So <laughs> that is uh, pretty much the best scenario you can possibly have, I think, um, because we got to just, I don't know, enjoy the fact that we were engaged without any sort of pressure to be doing anything. I don't know. It was just great. It was super fun. And then we got home. And I just jumped right into a re- we together actually he's he's being just been just as much a part of it as as me. I started planning because we were hoping to get married in the spring, and we are so we're going to be getting married, um, like I said in May. But so I was telling Anne before we started recording. Uh, apparently, most people plan. Uh, much like have much more lead time because uh, I'm hearing from multiple people when I'm calling them about setting up different services that that I'm kind of behind <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but that's okay we're gonna pull it together it's not gonna be a big huge wedding it's gonna be something kind of small and and fun and hopefully just a great party and and we'll have a good time so so that's that's kind of my news 
That's the greatest news. I'm so <laughs> excited about this. It's still so fun to just say those words yeah. uh, that we're engaged. I don't know. It's just super well, fun. Well, and you guys have been together for a long time. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. it's just fun to see this this new development. Yeah. So. yeah. 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 In some ways, I thought it wouldn't feel any different, but it kind of does. Like it's yeah. just a yeah, it's just a little bit a little bit different. And again, we're just. I don't know. We're so excited. Like we just love talking about. <laughs> we just love talking about both both the wedding, you know, the actual like event, but also just being married. Like we just yeah, we're just really excited. So it'll be a good time. Everybody's question to us so far has been, "Will the dogs be part of the ceremony?" <laughs> and I said, "No, because they are terribly behaved do- dogs, and there's no way we could have them at the ceremony and have any sort of semblance of." calm so yeah. uh, they will not be but we're, we're going to try to incorporate them in some way in some aspect but they will not be there in <laughs> in dog form in in person <laughs> <laughs> the idea uh, of brimley trying to handle no 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 he so is great. a disaster that's well that's the other thing we've been doing actually we have been training one of our dogs who's a disaster uh but we did go to you, you, formal training for six weeks and he's he's better now but not not good enough to to be part of a wedding ceremony yeah. no we need uh, no we need, ring bearer no no i i wish we had dogs one of our dogs tucker could do it Brilliant. yeah anyway all right well so i think we're good at we've updated everybody we hope you all have been well we hope you all had a good summer um and are having a good fall i we're we're you know deep into fall here so yeah hope hopefully you're doing well um and i think we're ready to go ahead and and start talking about some books so today so the week we when we are recording this is the week of halloween and so we wanted to do kind of a different twist for past years when we do halloween we tend to go towards scary books horror that sort of thing and everybody it's well established i am a scaredy cat um (laughs) So this year, not as much as you used to be. Not as much as I used to be. That's true. Uh, So this year, I suggested I suggested one idea, but it's kind of morphed a little bit. And so our topic today is that people are the most terrifying of all. Um, So all of these books that we're going to be discussing show that that people might be more terrible than any monster that you could come across in a in a Halloween book. I love so the books that I'm going to talk about. There's definitely kind of a theme, but. I love books where people are terrible. <laughs> I don't know why. I guess it makes me thankful for my normal calm life that I have, uh, that I've never encountered terrible people. Um, but yeah, I think it's super entertaining to read about people kind of being awful. Yeah. I don't know why. Because I think, like you said, we we don't exp- or hopefully we're not experiencing experiencing it ourselves, and so there's a there's a, a bit of a Schadenfreude element mm-hmm. I think there, and I think that um, it's like it's it's like we like to how we talk about how much we love to read books about rich people doing dumb things or bad mm-hmm. things. It's it's just so far removed from our lives that that there's um, there's that that like looking in a, a fishbowl kind of mm-hmm. kind of element. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it never stops being entertaining. Although yep. some of mine are more slasher and I don't yeah. really want to look in a fishbowl of no. slasher. No, so. no. <laughs> Very often, sometimes. 
Uh, all right. Well, should we go ahead and, and start talking about our books? Sure. Okay. Um, you can go first. So first, I will talk about There's Someone Inside Your House by Stephanie Perkins. And when I learned about this, it seemed like a kind of odd book because it's by the author of Anna and the French Kiss, mm-hmm. um, which you've re- if you've read that or heard about that, it's a very fluffy um, teen romance that, that takes p- place in Paris. And so um, it just seemed like a really odd choice for Stephanie Perkins to to move that direction. But um, why YA authors kind of do whatever they feel like. So um I think it's it's pretty common now for them to jump around from from genre to genre and from format to format and um so it kind of works so i will start by saying this has very mixed reviews on goodreads so it may not be to everyone's taste but i think it fits our theme really well because it is like i said a a teenage slasher horror book and the main character is named makani young and she recently moved from nebraska to hawaii and she was sent away by her parents to live with her grandmother Um, And she is half black and half Hawaiian, and she's used to a really diverse community. And now she's in this kind of homogenous community in small town Nebraska. And she, she, something happened in Hawaii that she is desperate to keep secret from her new group group of friends. Um, And we, it, it takes a really long time to sort of tease that out. And she's worried about having this boy, Ollie, that she has a crush on finding out what what happened in her past. And Ollie isn't a typical male lead that you you usually will see in YA books. He he's uh, kind of a punk. He has pink hair and he's sort of scrawny and he's just considered this misfit in the community. So these horrific murders start to happen to students at high school. And the story unfurls in a very typical slasher fashion so if you've ever seen like the scream movies or any any slasher movie like that there's always that first kill that's at the beginning of the book and then the next day the news comes out and the high school is unsettled but they think it's a one-time thing and then more murders start to happen so because ollie is this outsider in town he's immediately suspected and makani wants to believe that he's um he's innocent of this but she doesn't completely trust him so um I don't, I will say that I don't always love slashers, but this had some really, really creepy parts with the murderer moving objects behind the victim's back. Um, and I think some furniture and stuff like that. So um, that scared me That's so, so creepy, much, right? It's so creepy. There's a first scene that involves this egg timer that, that super freaked me out. And there's something about the, the innocuous item being made terrifying that just really really worked in this so there are still scenes i read this probably three years ago and there are still scenes that really stick with me because because they they just were depicted in such a a skillful way um and the the uh climactic scene is takes place at a corn maze and so it has sort of those tropes that are really familiar to horror fans or even casual fans who who just know about about the slasher genre so um it seems that when I was looking at reviews, they're sort of slip, split between between people who think that it had too much romance, which kind of makes sense considering who wrote the book, or it had too much horror for the people who were her existing fans. But there are also a lot of people who really, really loved it and especially commended its inclusivity. And so if you're someone who can handle violence but doesn't necessarily love horror, this might be a good intro pick for you. And I also just found out that there's a new movie on Netflix, so um oh i didn't know that yeah it just came out this month i think so um i think i'm too scared to watch it but (laughs) i um i'm sure it's well done so that is there's someone inside your house by stephanie perkins yeah i haven't read that one yet although i did like 
Anna and the French Kiss so much when I read that and some of her others that I've read I've liked, but mm-hmm. that one, yeah, that one definitely got mixed reviews when it came out. So yeah. I wasn't, and wasn't as amenable to horror at the time. Yeah. So I stayed I, away from that one. I'm pretty sure there's a, I don't know if it's a sequel or if it's in the same, the same community. Yeah. I can't talk today community, but there's, it has a similar cover. So I think yeah. that she's, she's continuing with it. Yeah, she's, she's, she's leaning into, into the horror stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, my first one is Last Girl Ghosted by Lisa Unger. And uh, I actually just read this over the weekend. <laughs> and uh, I was like, wow, this is kind of perfect. Um, so I, so my original idea for this episode was, I think it was something about like people pretending to be something they're not yeah. or something was yeah. my original idea. Okay. So uh, this fits into that perfectly while also fitting into people are kind of terrible. Uh, so Ren is the main character and she is, I think in her early thirties, maybe late twenties, she has just started using this dating app that um, is like a made up dating app in the book, but it's sort of like Tinder or something like that, where the, it seems to be an app that's meant to hook up with somebody versus like a long lasting relationship. Like it's not, it seems like people are using it for, Purposes other than everlasting love, I would say. Uh, and so she's gone on a couple of dates and they've been fine. And But nobody that she's been very interested in and no, nothing that's lasted beyond um, seeing somebody one time. And so then she matches with somebody that she thinks is kind of intriguing based on his profile. It's He sort of has a very kind of Spartan profile. He doesn't share a whole bunch about himself and sort of like a dark and brooding picture, but something about it, something about it kind of intrigues her. So she, she reaches out to him or they connect and and decide to meet up. Um, So they meet up for a date and they actually immediately hit it off. And it seems like this is going to be more than just a one night thing. Like it's, they seem to really have a connection and, um, they do start seeing each other pretty regularly uh, and their relationship seems to be turning into a real relationship and not just, you know, a fling. So then after about three months, he ghosts her and he just totally disappears. And she's trying to figure out what happened because there were no signs that anything was wrong or that he wasn't interested or anything. And so she thinks this is really kind of odd. And so she decides to make sure that he's actually okay, you know, and that something mm-hmm. hasn't happened to him. Um, and so she goes to the place, to his apartment, and knocks on the door, and some woman opens the door, and she's like, who are you? And the woman says, well, this is an Airbnb. I'm just here for the weekend. <gasps> um, and so Ren starts digging into it and contacting the owner, and the owner of the the apartment says, oh, yeah, there was this guy, and he paid me up front for a week, uh, and he wired me the money right away, and then he asked if he could extend for longer, and he did, but then he never paid me, and now he's gone, and oh, by the way, his name is different than the name he gave you. And so he told Ren his name was Adam and he told the landlord guy it was something different. So she's starting to realize, oh, okay, this guy is not at all who he said he was. He was clearly doing some sort, playing some sort of game, you know, that he was lying to me about who he was. And so she decides to try to track him down to, to sort of get answers about why he left and, you know, what the deal was, why he pretended to be somebody he's not. And then... A private investigator approaches her because he is looking for this guy because multiple women that he met on this app have now disappeared. So the private investigator has been hired by one of these women, her father, to try to find her. And so the private investigator 
finds Ren and says, well, what can you tell me? And she's like, well, I'm actually trying to find him too because um, he ghosted me and I'm trying to figure it out. So they sort of start working together to try to figure out what happened, who he was, you know, what his real identity is. Did he have something to do with these women going missing? What's going on? But Ren has something in her past about her identity that she doesn't want people knowing. And she had shared some of that with Adam before he disappeared. So then she's wondering, is there something, does it have something to do with the secret that I told him about my past? And so it's all sort of like twisty and you don't know who's telling the truth and you don't know who is really sharing like who they really are. Um, and it's just, it jumps back and forth in time between Ren's past and sort of this, um, secret that she has from her past and then the present as she's trying to search for Adam. And I love that. I love when thrillers do that. That's just a, a narrative structure that really works for me because it kind of builds, you know, both storylines are kind of building towards this big conclusion of, of what's happened in the past and what's happening in the present. So I just love that. So this was a perfect read for me right now. I have a lot on my mind. Uh, I'm very, I've, work is very busy. I'm obviously, as I mentioned, uh, thinking about a wedding and so a thriller like this is just perfect for my brain it's exactly the kind of reading I want to be doing right now um and this just fit the bill perfectly it was such a page turner it um kept me guessing the whole time so I really liked it it was called Last Girl Ghosted by Lisa Unger that sounds awesome (laughs) (laughs) makes you never want to share information online i'll tell you that yeah no i was just thinking i never want to date again (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah i've been ghosted once and i and it it didn't have a name back then and so oh yeah i wish i'd had that that vocabulary back then but it's the worst Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a book called Modern Rom- Modern Love or Modern Romance. I can't remember. The Aziz Ansari. As, by Aziz Ansari. That's yeah. really interesting. That talks. And this was, gosh, probably almost 10 years ago now that book came out. So it's it's probably out of date at this point. But at the time, I remember finding it really fascinating. It was all about kind of modern dating and dating online and, and what that does to, to people searching for a relationship mm-hmm. and like how what, what it does to their brains, like knowing that uh, maybe somebody's better. Somebody better is out there, and not, they're just at the, you know, they're just at the other end of my phone. Like maybe I'm settling for this person. I don't know. It was just yeah. fascinating. It was really fascinating. So, but yeah, this book will make you never want to be on a dating app ever again. Done and done. <laughs> All right. What's your next one? Uh, my next uh, book is Knife by Yonesboot, and this is part of the Harry Hola series, which I haven't read the rest of it because I always felt like it was too. Um, uh, intense for me but I had to read it for a a committee and I really enjoyed it it's really really well written and very it is intense but it's it's it was fun in the end um so saying that it's in the middle of the series and I don't think that that decreased my enjoyment of it but I'm sure that I would have had a richer reading experience if I had uh kind of known everything leading into it um I will also say that the content is very very dark and it can be upsetting and it does deal with a lot of sexual assault so I want to be sure to give a a content Mm -hmm. warning there um so Harry is a detective in Oslo and he wakes up one morning with a hangover and he's covered in blood and he knows that he's estranged from his wife Raquel after he's had too much um uh, self-destructive behavior um, mm-hmm. that has impacted their relationship and and so he was living away from her but he 
doesn't know exactly what had happened the night before. And he, he pieces together that he was taken home by a friend of his that's also on the police force, who's police force, who is named Bjorn, um, after a night of drinking. And I think he, he gets into some fights. And then he learns the next day that Raquel has been found dead and that um, despite all the protections that Harry had put in place around their home someone got in and so he um he doesn't understand how that could have happened so he begins to wonder about his own actions and his lack of memory for those hours um so at the same time that he's sort of grappling with the possibility that he could have done something he um suspects that his old nemesis fine uh Fina is um perhaps involved with this because he is a serial rapist that was re- recently released from prison after Harry had, had put him there. And so um, he thinks that this could be related. So Spine is a, a narcissist who, um, this is the upsetting part, he specifically wants to impregnate women and have them have his children so Ew. he can, right? Right? It's the grossest thing ever. Um, and so because he he feels that he's superior, so he wants to sort of perpetuate his line and he threatens the women that he'll kill them if they try to have an abortion so um i had to listen to this for a committee and it was hard to listen to because he's he's a scary guy and um so be aware that this this book doesn't pull any punches so if you can't handle that which i couldn't but i had to Mm -hmm. um don't just be aware what you're getting into um so harry is on desk duty because of um the, the issues he's been having at work. So despite his reputation as being this this um, sort of all-star detective, he can't do anything to investigate Raquel's death. Um, so he's sort of fi- trying to figure things out at, out on his own. And he finds out that he had killed Svinefina's son um, at some point in the past in the line of duty. So he thinks that Svein has sort of a double reason for revenge um, toward him. So um, this is a book that that truly shows that people are much scarier than the supernatural. And I'm uh, the reason that that whenever we do Halloween episodes, I always am sort of pushing us toward supernatural horror is because that's what I can handle and feel like mm-hmm. that thrill of of terror. But this one actually scared me and, and scared me so much more than than a ghost or a witch ever could. Um, so. It, but it was really, really good at the same time. The the way that everything sort of pulled together in the end and, and was, you could tell that, that these characters had long histories together and the mystery was really strong. It, it was really, really good, but I don't know that I can read any more of the series. So um, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to take some recommendations on that, but that is Knife by Yo Nesbitt. Yeah, I've, I've read some of his her their books his. uh his yeah and um and my memory is that they're they're pretty gruesome there yeah. there's just something yeah so they're kind of beyond gritty where yeah it's yeah. not just like tough streets kind of kind of right. police procedural stuff they're they're gruesome so yeah um i would not suggest them to all readers but yeah but if, I, if you're okay with that yeah yeah they're really they're they're quality yeah, well, that's a good segue into my book because uh, my book is also not for uh, people that can't 
Well, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not, I don't want to imply that anybody likes sort of the more gruesome things. But if you're okay with either skimming those parts or you're okay reading <laughs> about that sort of stuff, I, I was a skimmer of, in this book. But uh, so Silence of the White City by Ava Garcia Saenz. I think that's how you say that. Um, so this is the first book in a series. And I actually have not had a chance to get to the other books yet. Um, but I really, really liked this one. So it was released in Spain and it became a big bestseller. And then it's been translated into English. Uh, since then. So the main character is a police investigator who 20 years before the start of the book cracked the case of this notorious serial killer that they were having a really hard time finding. And he was uh, killing people in a very kind of graphic way and and posing them in ways that, you know, then the for people to discover. Um, and, and now 20 years later, so the this investigator figured out who it was and put him in basically you know let that discovery led him to end up in jail so this man who was convicted of these crimes is in jail and now 20 years later a new series of murders have started and they're eerily reminiscent of those murders from 20 years ago but the guy sitting in jail that they were pretty much 100 percent sure had done it so um so the the main character this investigator is wondering is are these copycat murders but it would be difficult to have copycat murders because there are a lot of details that they never released to the public because the murders were so graphic that it was like they didn't you know they didn't want that they didn't want people knowing how how these these people had died um and so and some of them are children and so they just you know that's not stuff they release so it's it would be odd for copycat to know those things so it's like is the guy directing this from jail or what's going on well he has a twin brother who was the one who ended up I, basically identifying him as the killer 20 years before he, he contacted the police and said, I think my brother is the one who is doing all of this. And that was what opened up the case, basically, and allowed them to figure out that's who, who was doing it. So suddenly they're questioning, oh, wow, do we have the wrong brother in jail? Like, was the, the twin brother who um, identified this guy really the one who was doing it and he just framed him like what is going on um but there's also there's a a great sense of urgency because these murders keep happening on a very regular basis and they know when they're going to happen they're all based on history like spanish history um oh, and wow. culture and so they know when the, the next ones are going to happen and so they are trying to get ahead of it and you know so there, there's definitely an urgency to these these crimes because it's not like weeks are passing it's days or hours are passing in between these crimes um and so that's part of what i actually really liked about the book so it takes place in an area i think it's called vitoria in spain uh, or a region i think it's a region not a city but uh i didn't know anything about it and so it just very much felt like it was such a strong sense of a place and a culture that i don't know at all and and i really liked that aspect of it um and I really liked it. There was a lot of character development and sort of focus on the characters, uh, which in a way reminded me of Tana French a little bit um, in the way that the, the, especially the investigator, like their personal lives are very much wrapped up in the story and like what's being shared and how they're investigating is always influenced by what's going on in their lives. Um, so I just thought it was really, really good. It's such a good mystery. Um, the ending took took me by surprise uh, which I always like if I can't figure out you know what's mm-hmm. coming um, again it is gruesome that is the one thing that I was sort of warn people about uh, it is a really really good mystery but it is definitely one that isn't for um, 
the more sensitive reader. Uh, and But if you can handle that, I highly recommend it, especially, like I said, if you like the, sort of the mysteries of Tana French or Jane Harper or somebody like that, where there's a lot of emphasis on the characters as well as the mm-hmm. plot and the mystery, I think that this would be for you. So this is The Silence of the White City by Ava Garcia Sayens. That's funny that we both, I would, I know. I would sort of consider both of us sort of sensitive readers to, yeah. to those things, but we both are recommended these books and said oh yeah we we could handle it but yeah can't I I don't think of us either that way no I know and yeah it's just the the so for me an audiobook of this would have been really difficult it was because I was reading it in print that I was able to sort of skim over the more gruesome parts that I think I ended up liking it so much and wasn't turned off by by the parts that turned my stomach a little bit yeah that was that was the struggle because it was it was an audis book that i yeah um, yeah so i had to listen to it and, yeah. and to not be able to sort of um to to hear the right. narrator really effectively do characters yeah. is not something you necessarily want right. in your head all the, right no <laughs> uh, yeah oh well so my last book is the talented mr ripley by patricia highsmith and um when hallie first suggested doing um an episode about people imitating other people. This was the first thing that popped in my head because it's such a classic example. And I thought, well, I've, I've talked about it, but it was the first episode and this is our 95th episode. <laughs> and so I think it's okay <laughs> for me to go back to it. Um, and I'm sure I've brought it up before. It's one of my all-time favorite books. Um, and I'm always thrilled for a chance to share it with people because even though lots of people are familiar with the character and the movie, as far as I can tell, most people haven't read the book. Um, and so I'm always I'm always pushing the book on people. So it is about a young man named Tom Ripley who is um, living in New York City in the 1950s, and he lives really modestly, but he wants more, and he is willing to do small scams to get a taste of the high life. And out of nowhere, he's approached by the father of a young man named Dickie Greenleaf, who asks uh, Tom to go to Italy to try to persuade Dickie to come back home and sort of take on the mantle of responsibility and join the family business and and get past his college and um, youthful sort of enjoyments. So mm-hmm. so Tom agrees to this, but he really exaggerates their acquaintance. And so he he barely knows Dickie, but he he pretends that he's a good friend of his. So he goes to Italy and this is all expenses paid, of course, and he meets him and his girlfriend Marge and um, sort of fudges their relationship to each other so so Dickie sort of half believes that they are good friends too and he goes to their summer home that's in a coastal town that's modeled after Positano which if you've ever seen that image of of like that cliffside town in Italy that's all sort of houses stacked on top of each other Mm -hmm. that's that's what this is modeled after Mm -hmm. so um Dickie just accepts the story that Tom tells him and um he becomes friends but with Dickie, but but Marge and Dickie's other friends don't really like him and they feel uneasy around, around him and, and sort of suspect that something is off. So everything is going well until um, Dickie sees Tom wearing his clothes and imitating him when he thinks he's alone. And that really um, unsettles their relationship and it begin, begins to sour and Tom realizes that he's going to need a, a way out. So I, I'm not going to give any way um, any more information because that's the fun of the book but Tom is a natural mimic and there is indeed an, an element of assuming Dickie's identity and to see how that all plays out and um, it, 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 to see how it plays out especially when 
they're in a place where many people are familiar with Dickie and mm-hmm. um, it, it isn't something where he's, you know, off in a city where, where there, there happens to be a chance meeting with someone that he knows this is, this is really risky and it's just so tense and satisfying to see how, how he pulls this off. So um, I love it for, for many, many reasons, but one of them is that it has this juxtaposition of this very dark plot with the sun drenched, sun drenched landscape of, of Italy and, it has this weird feeling of freedom and claustrophobia at the same time that really heightens everything. And it's just a perfect, perfect book. So um, everyone read it right now. <laughs> and that is The Talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia, he- Patricia Highsmith. Yes, I've read that. But I did like the movie a lot, too, actually. Yes, like, I also It definitely gets at that sort of sun-drenched Italy yeah. setting. Yeah, Yeah, it's great. Uh, all right, so my last one is The Girls Are Also Nice Here by Lori Elizabeth Flynn. Um, and this is another relatively recent release. It's just from a few months ago. I think I read this. And it's about a woman named Ambrosia Turner who is in her late 20s. She's about she's 10 years out of college. And she's married to a man who doesn't know anything about her past, basically. And it, she's getting invitations for her 10-year college reunion and she doesn't seem to want to go and her husband's sort of like come on let's go like it'll be fun we'll get to meet your friends and i'll get to see this place like you don't really talk about college um and then she starts getting messages about attending the reunion that seem to be aimed directly at her like it's not a just general email going out to everybody they seem to be uh with messages specifically to her and the one that gets her to go back is one that says we need to talk about what happened that night Oh, so uh, the story, again, goes back and forth between the present and the past, which I've already said I love. Uh, So when Ambrosia or Amp is what she goes by, when she was in college, she came from kind of a, a lower class, lower middle class kind of background, didn't feel like she really fit in with. The, I think she went to Wesleyan, I think it's a college. Um, and so she didn't really feel like she fit in. And so she kind of latched on to this girl who seemed like to have it all, like to be beautiful and very confident and just like she knew what she was doing. And they became kind of inseparable. Uh, and Sully was this girl's name. Uh, but Sully liked to mess with people just to prove that she could. Like she was sort of, she's sort of one of those people who for her own enjoyment, likes to make other people miserable. Um, and so Amp gets sucked into that and they they start doing different things just to, just to prove they can, pretty much, and just to kind of ruin people's lives, just to prove that they can. Uh, and the biggest thing that they do is uh, Amp's roommate uh, is this sweet kind of naive girl named Flora. And she's very friendly to Amp and she always is trying to like include her in things and and confide in her and be friends with her and they sort of laugh at laugh at her behind her back because she's naive and and sweet and they are not um and they party a lot and she doesn't and so they just sort of you know look down upon her but one thing Flora has is this boyfriend that she talks about all the time and they're going to get married someday they've been dating since they were in high school and um, he attends Dartmouth. And so Amp meets this guy one day uh, and has an immediate connection with him and kind of falls for him right away and then gets back to the dorm room and discovers that it's Flora's boyfriend and he's visiting from Dartmouth. And, um, and so she's like, 
oh no, like Flora isn't good enough for him. He should be with somebody like me. Like Flora is too sweet. She, he should be with somebody edgier like me. And she and this guy start emailing back and forth and sort of just as friends first, they share um, like he wants to be a writer or she wants to be a writer. Now I'm having trouble remembering that detail, but there's, they like share writing samples with each other and give feedback. And so they're developing this relationship that Flora doesn't know about. Um, and so then Am and Sully decide to concoct a plan to basically have Flora's boyfriend cheat on Flora to prove that he's not the great guy that she thinks he is. And then they'll break up and that'll clear the way for Am to be um, with him instead. So they enact, they come up with this plan, they enact it, and it has truly, truly disastrous results. And so now, 10 years later at their reunion, it seems like somebody knows about what they did and, and what happened um, and, and seems to want to have some sort of reckoning. And so Sully is back there and Amb is back at, call it, at this reunion. And um, it all kind of plays out from there. <laughs> so it was, this is another one that I just could not put down until I, fig- I fe- you know, got to the end and found out what happened. Um, and it truly shows just how awful people are. Like Sully is a terrible, terrible person. She just likes to do things just because she finds it funny and she finds it entertaining and she doesn't think about the impact it has or the consequences it will have on people's lives and doesn't seem to have any sort of regrets about what she does. And so this is a true, like, you know, moving away from serial killers. This is like true. People can just be terrible. Uh, And sometimes that's even scarier to read about, I think. Uh, And that is The Girls Are All So Nice Here by Lori Elizabeth Flynn. Gosh, I feel like I didn't read nearly as many thrillers this year as I sort of intended to. And I'm very much regretting it right now (laughs) because I want to read all of yours. I feel like that's kind of all I read this year. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we will be right back with what we are reading this week. Okay, Anne, what are you reading this week? I am reading When Things Get Dark, and that is edited by Ellen Datlow. And I am extremely proud of myself because I found a way to talk about both Patricia Highsmith and Shirley Jackson in one episode. I mean, this is just your crowning achievement. I right? think you can retire right. after this. I, I probably should. Um, so this is an anthology of short stories that are inspired by the writings of Shirley Jackson, who is one of my absolute favorite writers. I've, I've talked about her many times on the podcast. Um, she's perfect, too. And Ellen Datlow is um, a huge name in speculative, speculative fiction. Um, and I truly don't know how she sleeps because she's been creating anthologies of short fiction for 40 years at this point. And I've seen her name associated with these anthologies of varied subjects like fairy tale retellings and body horror. And she sort of takes it all on. And so um, she writes in the intro that she didn't want when she she sort of came upon this project or was approached about this project. She decided that she didn't want retellings of Shirley Jackson um, existing works or stories about Shirley Jackson or even people trying to write like her but she wanted authors to reflect Jackson's sensibility into their own writing so so sort of the arcane and the mysterious um in the everyday and and um just some of her trademark um subjects so 
some of the authors that she approached seemed like obvious matches to the anthology, but others were surprises. And so you'll find lots of famous names like Joyce Carol Oates and Josh Mallerman and Carmen Maria Machado and Paul Tremblay and Kelly Link. Um, I'm realizing right now I'm going to really hate that I have to link to all of these people in the, in the show notes, but uh, it's kind of hard when it's a, a um, short story anthology because I'm not going to tell you a, a you know plot of a short story. Right, right. So, so far, I've read two stories that I've really, really loved. Um, one is by Elizabeth Hand, and the other is by Cassandra Ka, and they're both a little bit longer um, short stories, and I think that allows them to really sink into um, Jackson's tone, which is is a little bit um, um, floral, I would say. Like, it, it has a bit of a, um, floral is the wrong word, um, like a lush kind of sensibility mm-hmm. to it. So, um I'm I'm interested I think it's really interesting because you you can see what works the authors are referencing so in the Elizabeth Hand story for sale by owner it's very clearly influenced by the haunting of Hill House and then the story by Cassandra Ka is called Quiet Dead Things and it has the same neighbors at odds with each other as you find in the lottery which is is probably Shirley Jackson's most famous book or or work I should say it's a short story um so I've, I actually have to put this aside for committee purposes because <laughs> I have some other things I have to read um but I'm, I'm so eager to get back to this I really wish I were reading it this week because it it's um sort of a side of Halloween that I don't think gets as much attention at this um it, it fits into the genre into into horror but it's it's not as in your face as you know your ghosts and your your monsters and, and things so um so I, 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 I wish that I could uh, take a little bit more time with this, but mainly it's just making me want to do a full reread of everything that Shirley Jackson wrote because she's the greatest. So um, everyone read her too. <laughs> and that is When Things Get Dark and it's edited by Ellen Datlow. All right. So what I'm reading this week is The Heart Principle by Helen Huang. And this is the third book by Helen Huang. And I wouldn't really consider these a series, but they are connected by sort of that typical thing in romances where a secondary character in one book shows up as the main character in another, as I've talked about so many times. Um, and I listened to the audiobook of this, and it was a really, really good audiobook. So it is about a woman who named Anna, who is a very talented violinist. And uh, recently, in her recent past, a YouTube video of her has gone viral of her playing. And the pressure of so many people having seen her play uh, causes a great deal of anxiety for her. And she's unable to play at all. Like she can't finish a song. She, if she messes up, she can't just play through and continue to the end. She has to start over. And so she can't get past this idea of, of perfection that now that everybody knows her. Um, and at the same time as she's dealing with this anxiety, her boyfriend of several years tells her, that he's pretty sure he wants to marry her and spend the rest of his life with her, except that he's really only dated her. And so he wants to go out and date a whole bunch of other women to make sure that he does want to be with her. Oh, my gosh. Part of this is that she has never been that interested in sex. So I think he thinks this is just him going out and meeting a bunch of people. And then she's just going to like quietly sit and wait for him to come back to her. But she decides that she should go meet other people too. And, and if that's what he's doing, then that must be what she's supposed to do. So she goes on a dating app. So many dating app books in this episode. <laughs> uh, but so she goes on a dating app with the idea that she'll have a, a one night stand 
uh, with somebody and meets a guy named Quan on this dating app. And he looks like a bad boy covered in tattoos, kind of perfect for her purposes of having a one night stand. But he's actually a really, really sweet guy and very kind of supportive. She she learns very quickly that he he lets her be her and like lets her be kind of awkward and odd and he's okay with who she is. So they try to have this one night stand. It doesn't go well the first time. So they're like, okay, we'll try this again another time. So they try again, doesn't go well. So then suddenly it's like they're texting all the time. They um, both really like documentaries. And so they'll sit and watch nature documentaries and text each other or call each other while they're watching. And so it's, it's clear that they're developing an affection for each other, even though theoretically they're just using each other for a one night stand which hasn't happened yet even though they've gone out multiple times (laughs) you know pretty pretty quickly they realize like this is more than than what we intended it to be at the start and they start um they start dating and at the same time as they're starting to fall for each other anna's father becomes extremely ill and she has to help take care of him and so kwan again is very supportive and tries to be there for her but his her family disapproves of him and so there's a little bit of a struggle there as far as she's always done what her family has asked of her so this book i would say definitely sort of threads the needle between being a romance and more relationship fiction because um, it does focus so much on anna and her family and her father's illness and her struggles with anxiety um partway through the book she's she's going to a therapist and she's diagnosed with um or she's She's diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum, uh, which is news to her. She didn't know that. And so it starts, uh, suddenly a lot of stuff makes sense about how she approaches life and and interactions with other people. And her family's really dismissive of that. And they are like, no, no, you're not on the autism spectrum. Um, but Quan is just sort of a steady presence in her life. And he, again, accepts her for who she is. And he seems to be falling for her for who she is. And so, you know, he's providing a lot of of comfort for her. So um, that romance is definitely central to the story, but there is a lot about Anna and what she's going through and and figuring out her career with her music and everything. And so I think this is a really good book if romance, if you've tried romance and we're like, "Eh, it's not really for me, but are interested in trying it again. Or if you've never tried a romance, but you like relationship fiction, this is a good one. Um, it does have a fair bit of sex in it. Uh, Helen Huang definitely doesn't shy away from the more explicit sex scene. So she does be, not. Yeah. Just be prepared for that. I think a lot of people, especially with her first book, The Kiss Quotient, didn't realize how explicit her yeah. books were going to be. Um, I feel like this one had less of that than other ones, but I will say I was listening to the audiobook and my uh, my mom and my sisters were in town last weekend, and we went to get in the car at one point, and it started playing, and I was like, oh, pause, pause, stop, like, don't, 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 keep going, because uh, it's, as like, just like violence, a lot of times reading romance, I kind of tend to skim the sex scenes, not because I think there's anything wrong with them or anything, it's just like, I don't know. I like kind of skim them and then just get back to the story, I guess. I don't know. Uh, But with audiobooks, you can't do that. So it makes it a little bit more awkward if you're (laughs) listening to some of these things, especially if they're rather explicit. With your Uh, mother. With my mother in the car, yes. Uh, Luckily, I don't think they were too busy talking. I am hoping they didn't didn't hear. But um, (laughs) even if they had, I would have just been like, well, I'm listening to a romance. Sorry. But um, the other thing about that I wanted to mention, um, so Helen Hong herself is on the autism spectrum and was diagnosed as an adult. And so all of her main characters, at least so far, uh, at least one of the protagonists is on the autism spectrum. And so 
one of the things I like about her books is I think they show people in the fullness of their selves, I would say. Like, they're not a stereotype. They don't have sort of one defining trait, and that's that's who they're who they are and what their identity is. Um, mm-hmm. I think that she does a really, really good job of showing people, again, like as being a complete person. And this is one aspect of them and, and how it might influence the way they view the world or the way they interact with people. But it's not their whole being, which I think we don't see enough of. I think we're seeing more of it in publishing and in romances, but I don't think quite yet we see enough of so I really do like that aspect of it so this is the heart principle by Helen Huang yeah the the kiss quotient really did have great characterization and, yeah and it was it, it really is a, a step above yeah um, a lot of I mean yeah there's there's a lot of good romances out there but yeah. it's an exceptional exceptional one I think yeah Even yeah though, though I was I was so shocked by, yeah, by how yeah. explicit it was. Yeah. I gave it to a coworker to read and she gave it back to me because um, I had a copy of it and she gave me my copy back and was like, you did not warn me about <laughs> how explicit this is. And I was like, I'm sorry. I thought everybody knew at that point. Like it was, it made a lot of waves when it first came out. Lots of people were talking about it and lots of people were talking about how it was such a shockingly explicit book yeah. for like what the cover, it was a pink cover or yeah. something or yellow yeah. cover. It was like, it looked all happy and light. And then you read it. You're like, whoa, this yeah. is serious. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go back and uh, list off all the books we talked about today. Okay. I talked about There's Someone Inside Your House by Stephanie Perkins, Knife by Yo Nesbut, uh, The Talented Mr. Ripley by Patricia Highsmith. And what I'm reading this week is When Things Get Dark, edited by Ellen Datlow. And I talked about Last Girl Ghosted by Lisa Unger, Silence of the White City by Ava Garcia Saenz, The Girls Are Also Nice Here by Lori Elizabeth Flynn, and what I was reading or listening to this week is The Heart Principle by Helen Huang. So if you would like to get in touch with us to give us feedback or a suggestion on a topic you'd like us to discuss in an upcoming episode, please email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com. Find us on our Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram pages at Well Read Podcast. Uh, that's how we got most of our messages was actually Instagram, I think, while we were taking our little hiatus. Um, so please reach out to us there. Uh, please rate and review us on wherever you are listening to this podcast. It really helps people find the show. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com, where you can find a listing of every book and author we talked about in this episode. As Anne alluded to, she puts links to everything we talk about, so it's easy to find um, if you are driving or something and, and don't have a chance to write down something we're talking about. They're all there. Thank you all for listening, and happy reading. <laughs>